Hey everyone, MJ from the Edit Bay here. Um, this episode is the last one we recorded before my old computer uh, went to sleep with the fishes, as it were. So we are using the Discord backups for this episode. So Discord's compression is really weird. It might sound a little bit different. It might sound a little chopped up. It might sound like we are interrupting each other for some reason. It's because the sync got off because our claps didn't line up super well. Also, I'm waiting on another uh, copy of the theme song. So it'll be another week. So these two episodes uh, that were in the interim, it won't have the theme song, but you will hear it again next week. So enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I am Sarah Buddery. And I'm MJ Smith, and this week we are talking about uh, a scene from Jaws, like we always do, uh, but the timestamp is exactly a minute. We are living up to our name one of only a couple times that we're actually doing that, I think. <laughs> Um, I think it is a single digit amount of times that we are doing, doing that. <laughs> that is correct. Um, so this, uh, this scene is 56 minutes and 47 seconds through 57 minutes and 47 seconds. We are extremely close to the halfway point of the film. Uh, and in this scene, uh, it follows the family that Larry in the previous scene has goaded into going into the water they go into the water, and then a mass of people. It starts a, 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 a just a throng of people going into the water as well. And we see Larry looking quite pleased with his ability to manipulate the citizens of Amity. And uh, <laughs> then we see Michael and his buddies um, carrying the boat that Michael got for his birthday down towards the shore, and Brody stops them and pulls Michael aside and asks them to take it to the pond and Michael meets him with some resistance and then Brody asks him to do it as like a favor to him and Michael uh agrees and then uh Brody looks back out over the ocean and that's basically the scene it's a pretty short scene um that's just kind of I don't want to say tacked on but it's it's pretty like um it's just a, a, a wrap up to kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So it's kind of the in the the little arc of that uh, of this scene that we've been talking about. This is sort of uh, the end of that into the beginning of the tension really starting to ramp up towards the the shark attack that ultimately leads to um, the back half of the film uh, and Larry's change of tune. So. Um, not a lot, uh, in this scene, but, but Sarah, what did you notice? Um, I'm going to start talking about something I seem to talk about a lot, or particularly in the last, like, couple of episodes, um, is the music, which is very present in this scene. There's a lot of it, and it's also doing some, some very interesting things as well. So we've spoken previously about how this scene uses diegetic music, and it is continuing to do that, um there is still the the sound sort of coming and going but the sound of the the band that are playing in the bandstand on the beach um in the mix uh we then get uh this sort of 
it's literally the moment when the kids sort of like get up and start like running towards the water this sort of like beachy surf rock type of song starts playing on someone's uh portable radio we then get those things sort of overlapping on top of each other as well so i just a, a very quick thing and i think this might have been in in last week's minute but um where i started uh, the film off from today watching it and i was watching it on netflix so i think maybe the subtitle is different to is on the blu-ray but um maybe my favorite music subtitle so far is uh bandstand music becomes distorted and ominous uh, is the description <laughs> that I got of the of the music that is playing that is something I, I want to pick up a bit later because there's something else uh, that this scene does with um, distortion that I think would be quite interesting to talk about but the effect of the and I think the the mix is pretty good in this scene at bouncing out a lot of different noises and us being able to pick out all of those things, but also creating that sense of uh, a cacophony of noises, really, and, and a, a really chaotic sound mix, which is strange because this it, this is on paper like quite a happy scene. It's like kids playing on the beach uh, and and running excitedly into the into the ocean. But the thing that the sound mix is doing in this is creating that real sense of of chaos, which I thought was super interesting. So when that uh, sort of beachy surf rock song kicks in over the over the radio, it overlaps with the the bandstand music. Um, then you mix in the sounds of the of the kids screaming and playing, and it's it's a lot, but it's very well mixed. I think at least uh, to my ears, you can maybe comment on that um, a bit more. But another thing interesting as well about the music is how it comes in and out so there's a lot of uh breaks in the music that are sort of punctuated by the helicopter uh which is an ever-present force in this <laughs> in this scene and a particularly interesting sort of like bit with the music fading in and out is when Brody is talking to to Michael and the camera sort of pans around when he's talking to Michael about the the pond and you can see like the pond which is like the estuary in in the background and saying like you know you and your pals go and play in there basically and at that point we don't hear any music now the the band has not like packed up and and gone away or anything but it's the sense of like when it's facing facing the beach we can hear the radio the kids screaming the band playing and it's sort of like beach equals chaos bad things lots of noise lots of people pans round to the pond calm serene no music very still water not a person out there um and i just thought that was very interesting considering where the uh imminent shark attack actually happens yeah, this uh, this scene has a really interesting sound soundscape because of all the crowd noises and all the uh, helicopter noises, and it has a really good sound continuity between it. So, um, like when we hop in the helicopter, we don't hear the music because it's diegetic, and then when we leave the helicopter, we hear it in the background more, and mm. um, even uh, even though. <clears throat> um michael and his buddies have 
the boat and they're on shore the music's actually kind of harder to hear than it has been the rest of the scene even before we pan over to the pond it's it's lower in the mix mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and i do think it is sort of uh like uh uh almost like a like they, they <clears throat> like a like a boxing fake out um you know like you you know he's zigging when he you think he's gonna zag type of thing like it's just this scene is a way to start keeping the audience on their toes like i think that's the overall theme of the scene there's obviously a little bit of tension in the scene um from where we started with brody on the beach um, but no one's in the water yet. So there's not a ton of tension because we go, well, if they're not in the water, then you don't get attacked by a shark, right? We've said that countless times on the show. <laughs> um, but this scene starts off with uh, the people going into the water. And I've never realized how terrified those people look of going into the water. <laughs> that woman's face. Yeah, she looks haunted by the fact that she's doing this. <laughs> like... They, the, the, this woman is wearing the weight of the world on her shoulders as she's uh, <laughs> trudging into the ocean with her family. Um, and it's really great. I, I like it. I like um, I like people with like uh, expressive faces. We've talked about that before. And like they're kind of all over the place in this movie. Um, and it's really... It's really great. Like just, just like people who have this is gonna sound maybe mean, I guess, but I don't mean it that way. But people who have really big faces are um they're really good on camera actors because that's where a lot of the performance takes place. And um even this like random extra who is probably just a Martha's Vineyard local, um she looks really great on camera just in that one shot like you can she conveys a ton of emotions in that that one scene she looks really scared and it, it but in addition to that just being great it starts to ramp up the tension because you go oh people are going in the water and then even though i've never fully noticed how scared these people look i've i've unconsciously like somewhere in my subconscious has ticked that right like it's it's marked that as like those people are making a scary face or a scared face, not a scary face. These, those people are making a scared face. What's about to happen is something scary. So it starts that tension build up in this. So we start with that, and then we see all the people who are keeping them safe on the beach, um, which lulls us into a false sense of security. And then we see all these people come under the water, and it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, okay, well, scary circus music. Here we go uh so yeah it's it and it does a lot there's not a lot of lines in the in this until brody talks to michael so it's all pretty um so, there's some radio chatter or whatever but it's not like it's not meant to be listened to if that makes sense like it's supposed to, supposed to just be kind of part of the noise like it's it's not it's not important dialogue to set something up it's just like adding to the noise that we hear we have the radio we have the band we have the people screaming we have the splashing in the water we have the helicopter we have the boats we have the people talking on the boats we have the people talking on the walkie talkies we have the walkie talkie chatter like it's just all part of that like there's just a lot of like texture to all of this and that's actually that's how he's conveying most of the scene is through the texture there's not a lot of like real quote substance in this until he talks to michael 
Hmm. There's a really, there's a, a, I'm glad you mentioned that woman's face because that was one of the first things I wrote down in, in my notes um, because I don't think she has a single line in this film. Maybe she does later, but um, the guy who's playing her husband, he is obviously the one who speaks in the in the previous scene when he's sort of talking to, to Larry. But she doesn't and she, she conveys a lot in her face and, and even in the previous scene when Larry is talking to them, you can see sort of concern on her face, but now they are going into the water and the way they sort of like pull themselves up, pull their, their children up as well and, and go into the water. You can sense the hesitation there, but then it is just all over her face, just that that fear and a really great contrast with then sort of what we see what we see after that and and like you said the um the guys out on the boats who all sort of look very serious they're they're focused they are you know guns poised ready whilst the american flag flutters in the background <laughs> um definitely uh picked up on that one it really focuses in on that like guy with the gun and the flag yeah. and it's just like yeah okay <laughs> jaws is an american film guys we get it um and then the Larry's face as well. So we then sort of see everyone like running into the water. And that's, uh, we, we've spoken a lot about Larry's face, but this is a real interesting look because there are so many ways you can interpret that smile on his face. And I think obviously a lot of it depends on context. Um, so us as as film watchers, We've gone on this journey with Larry. We've seen the poor decisions he's made and hasn't made and the pretty much, you know, the one way thinking that we saw a few scenes ago where he was just absolutely adamant the beaches were going to be open. And then obviously in the scene right prior to this, he is, is making this family go in the water, basically. And he looks absolutely delighted and... It's weirdly sinister, I think, when we <laughs> when you have all the context and information that we as the audience do, because you're like, oh, these people are we know something bad is about to happen, right? So these people, one of them or some of them or many of them, are going to their deaths and this man is stood there smiling. So there's that side of it. But to give Larry the smallest, tiniest, most minuscule amount of credit that is not on the character's mind at this stage. He he is so blind at this point to to what Brody and Hooper have told him that he is just in complete denial that anything bad is going to happen. So he is smiling because he feels relieved. He now sees the the kids and the people running into the beach and having a good time and as we've spoken about previously, the media are there. Peter Benchley, the 1970s reporter, is there on the beach. There are cameras. There are, There is attention on Amity. And this is what he wants. This is what he wants the news reporters to be picking up on. Is uh, And I, I won't go into the, the bit that we get very soon when he sort of has his moment on camera because that's such a great bit. It deserves... Uh, building up to it and also talking about it in great detail when it happens but he wants everyone to see that everyone on amity is having a great time the sun is shining everyone is in the water so he is now getting what he wants so we can read it as sinister and we can also read it as just sheer relief and joy that that things are the way they should be uh nature is uh is returning uh 
as as larry sees it that is what we in america refer to as a shit-eating grin um i don't know if that's an international <laughs> phrase or not but I okay it. yeah <laughs> uh that is the uh, like if you look it up in the dictionary it is this picture um <laughs> and i hate it um <laughs> It's so smug and yeah. like Larry has never been more punchable than in this moment. And that's saying something. Uh, that's a good point. And it's just, so, it's so smarmy. It makes me feel so gross. Like seeing it. Um, I read it as, and it's funny cause we have alluded to this of like how he looked at the beginning of the scene before he, talk to the family of like the anxiety and worry on his face and like the different ways you could read that facial expression. Mm. And we had had opposite reactions to it. You had seen like he was worried about his ego and I had seen like, Oh, he's worried about maybe the, he's maybe kind of starting to uh, really question if something bad is going to happen because this is kind of the lead up to his fall. Um, mm. And I think we switch positions with this because all I see here is his ego being stroked and him being <laughs> so excited about the fact that he got people in the water on 4th of July. Like there is there is a big I did this quality to the way he looks and I hate it, yeah, which is it, which is a testament to how good Murray Hamilton is in this movie, I think. Um, I think he might be taken for granted more than almost any other performer in the movie because he's not in it at, basically in the back half at all. Um, mm -hmm. So he like disappears. And so it's easy to remember, especially because he gets replaced basically by like Quint, who's such a big character. But uh, he's so, so good in this movie because he is. Ah. He's so, he's so unlikable. <laughs> um, he's, uh, it, it, it's like Paul Dano, like, I, Paul Dano seems like a lovely gentleman in real life, but most of the time, I just kind of want to hit him in the roles he chooses. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I do really like that shot of the helicopter that like it that also feels sinister to me because like what about that is normal like do you know how uncomfortable I would be if I showed up to a beach and there was just like a shit ton of boats in the water that are throwing chum in the water and then a helicopter flying around surveilling us the entire time we we're out there like yeah. it, uh, ah it, it, it skews me out, man. Like, it just feels real gross and uh, very, like, I don't like, uh, for to use an overused term, like Orwellian. Like, I would just be like, what in the 1984 is going on here? Like, why? Because, <laughs> why? like, I, I, I don't know how buried this is. Like, it's obviously a thing but not everyone who's there is still going to be aware of it like news news travels fast but sometimes news passes people by and mm -hmm. so there's you know for as many people as there are on the beach that know the risk they're taking with the shark there's plenty more who don't so what are those people thinking when they show up like i would just be like why the shit why are why why are there all these boats and a helicopter like are they expecting mm -hmm. something to happen 
because the yeah. usual response here is like an incident happens so then we take the measure like it's we don't do the safety precaution just on the off chance like you know um once again not to not to be insensitive but i think it was last week i talked about one of the episodes i talked about like mass shootings here in america like mm. we don't have increased security presence at the movie theaters until something like the dark knight shooting happens right like that 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 happened and then security got increased and it it's it's back down to normal or the way it was now but uh it was it's usually done in response to something so we have that pattern set up so if i come to the beach where i've been going my entire life and all of a sudden there's like all this happening i'm definitely going to be asking some questions about what was going on if i didn't already know um so yeah. thinking about it from that perspective like that helicopter shot is also pretty sinister because it just like it's such a big yellow flag that something is off with what's happening on this beach right now mm. yeah actually as you were as you were talking about that, the thing that i was was thinking about is again to to make another um sort of pandemic parallel which we we've done a lot uh for good reason because there are a lot of things in jaws which seem like frighteningly relevant now um and these sort of beach scenes right before the chaos is certainly up there <laughs> i think with some of the things that are that are most relevant but the thing that i was thinking of was that it's strange how sometimes the things that are there to keep a, to keep people safe or to protect them can then also make them feel scared or anxious um so thinking about in in the film this helicopter is is circling and it's there for a good reason because it has got the the literal sort of bird's eye view of the whole beach um and we get that great sort of like pov shot from like inside the helicopter yeah. um which i think is a is a really cool shot um to sort of like see again like the scale and how many people there are in the beach and the the helicopter is looking out for the shark and sort of you know keeping the entire beach safe but it's also really quite intimidating and the way the helicopter is used in this scene also again it's not a coincidence that it's yellow we've talked about this uh, almost on every single episode i feel um but that is a very significant color for that thing to be it's it reminded me of uh, this where we sort of see Quint's boat keep like popping yeah. up in the background, just like as a constant reminder of like the shark is still out there, guys. Like, don't forget, there's the guy who's gonna you know be very instrumental in fixing this problem. He's gonna keep rocking up in the background to remind you. We see the helicopter so often in this scene, like even just. I think when sort of Brody goes over and, and talks to, to Michael before he sort of takes him to one side, the helicopter flies overhead oh, and we sort of see it then off in the background. Um, and it's it's this real sort of like ever present force. And the thing that it got me thinking of with the with the pandemic, and I don't know if, if you've sort of like felt similar, is that I have felt like in this whole time going out, particularly to places that I am super familiar with and comfortable being in or previously you know just like going to the shops or going to the cinema which i've not done in over a year uh because i don't <laughs> want to go to my favorite place and there be all these 
strange things like one-way systems and sanitizing stations and masks and things that are just unfamiliar but a lot of those things are all there to like to keep us to keep us safe and to reassure us you know you go into a shop now and there's plastic screens or between tables at a restaurant there are these screens to keep you safe and they're all there to keep you safe um and this may just be me having an anxiety condition but i see those things and i know they're there to keep me safe but they also make me feel anxious because they are an ever-present <laughs> reminder just like the helicopter is in this scene that there is a threat that there is that there is danger that there is something to be cautious of and i'm not sure i've ever made that link before um but yeah with with what you with what you were saying before um in the it's sort of intimidating presence of this of this helicopter but it's there for a good reason um just sort of got me uh thinking along along that lines of again another similarity <laughs> with the situation we find ourselves in yeah i think uh i think it's the same with the mask too right like i know a lot of people mm -hmm. who don't like wearing the mask because they say it gives them anxiety and i don't think I don't, I don't think it's so here's here's the thing with masks right so people say that it restricts their breathing and so it makes it gives them anxiety I don't think that's the case here's my hot take MJ's not a doctor by the way so don't take this as medical <laughs> advice at all um this is just me spouting my own bullshit I suppose but uh so my argument to, to that is always you know people who say that masks restrict breathing is like how you know surgeons do like 18 hour surgeries sometimes right like mm. <laughs> or like and also like masking is an extremely common practice in the majority of asian countries like and it's never been a like do you just think that like it takes a certain type of person to be like because i know someone who is an uh anesthesiologist for open heart surgeries, which are like the biggest, most intensive surgeries ever. And he that meant he had to wear a mask the entire time he was operating the machine. And he was like the least healthy person I knew. So if you're saying that like only healthy people know masks, like the 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 man, he was he was a family friend. The man lost both his legs and an eye to diabetes. Like he was in like some of the worst health I've ever seen anyone in. And he still wore a mask for like up to 12 hours a day, probably, if not longer, mm -hmm. running the machine in the room where they were doing these open heart surgeries. So to me, I don't think masks restrict the breathing. What I think is happening is there's just an anxiety about COVID. Like there's just an anxiety, like a built-in anxiety about it. And that is a very prominent reminder on your own face that shit's a little weird. Like everything is not normal the way we knew normal to yeah. be anymore. And that gets your thoughts racing. But I don't think people have a good enough grasp on anxiety um, because the way we talk about mental health is garbage. Um, and uh, I think that's that's what happens in this, right? Like we know that, it, and I, mm -hmm. I've heard, you know, anti-maskers say that, but I've also heard people who do wear the mask for, you know, if they're in a work situation, they do wear it the full time, but they're like, God, it, it really like kicks up my anxiety. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's just people who don't want to wear, wear masks. It's just anyone who feels like kind of anxious about 
what's happening now and i think that's the case here with the helicopters they're like well that's for safety but why do i need to be safe i've been coming to this beach since i was a child you know this is you know i know this mask is for safety but this is my workplace i've been coming to this workplace for four years now you know like a something normal is all of a sudden potentially a threat and the thing is everything is potentially a threat right like if you want to have a no risk life never leave your house but there's a certain amount of risk that we feel comfortable assuming all the time right that we don't think about everyone has their risk threshold and um in that we see you know going into the ocean you're still assuming the risk of a shark attack it's very unlikely but it still could happen. It's still a risk that you you don't think about largely. If you're if you're willing to go in the ocean, you're probably not thinking about getting attacked by a shark. Because um, the people I know who are terrified of sharks don't go in the ocean. They do not want to assume that risk. Um, so the thing is, though, you know, going out before COVID without a mask, you were assuming the risk of picking up some other respiratory disease or flu or common cold or something like that. But that was commonplace. That was something we always dealt with. COVID's new. COVID's different. Mm -hmm. And so now we have these reminders of it, just the way this is. There's always been sharks in the ocean, but now we have boats and helicopters and people trying to lure the shark to their boats to capture it. Like, now the shark is a very in-your-face threat, and there are visual cues to remind yourself of it right out in the open, the way masks and sanitation stations um and the plastic dividers and stuff are um so sorry that was very soapboxy and i apologize but uh all that to say i also found it really interesting that um in a way and this is i want to ride this line very carefully because if you take what i just said versus what i'm about to say it could potentially make me sound like i am anti-mask and that is not that holy shit <laughs> that is not what i am trying to get across but what I am th saying is like these shots of um, of from the helicopter and from the boats, they feel sinister because they don't feel normal because it feels like, yes, it feels like they're being surveilled. Like it feels like these people are in a fishbowl, like being observed, waiting for something bad to happen. And I love the juxtaposition of these people who are essentially an experiment to see if someone's going to get eaten by a shark. Uh, <laughs> so they, they they have been kind of forced into this situation by uh, media disinformation um, and just burying the story and then pressure from the local government authorities, um, which is sort of an infringement upon their freedom and, and, and their rights on a holiday uh, all, all about American freedom and independence. So there's like a really good like thematic juxtaposition of like, actually, the tyranny of Larry and his cronies to bury this has affected these people's freedoms in a very real way on a day that's supposed to be about freedom. Um, so, uh, by the way, uh, once again, stressing extremely, extremely, extremely that my view on that is that the, the tyranny of not handling the pandemic situation correctly with proper use of masks and uh, or, or proper like 
public campaigns around wearing masks and uh, sanitization and socially distancing from authority figures across the world is what made this situation worse, not the opposite. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, it's this i don't know it was, it's only really in like talking about it now and and watching it earlier that i just there's so many bits in in this scene that are that are really uh hitting different than i than i think they normally do and it's super interesting what you're saying there about the we we spoke i think it was maybe a um couple of episodes again i think it's episode uh 30 Three, where we went really in on the um the america of it all uh and why it's significant that that this film is taking place on on fourth of july so i think you've you've really um nailed it there about why uh, why this is such a big deal and and that sort of sense of freedom freedom being taken away or them not being able to run their businesses as they would like or not being free to go in the go in the water and celebrate the holiday as they would normally like to with their family i think is is very interesting and that's that's not to say this film wouldn't work if it was set any other time but i think it's super important and significant that that is the the time that it is set at and this this day i believe that where we're the scenes we're watching now is fourth of july um and it was a little tongue in cheek, but we do get that like very clear and obvious reminder, like right at the start of this scene with the flag, yeah. um, of of exactly what what day this is. And I, it's it's the, an element of the film that I have considered before, but I've never really thought about sort of like picking up the events of the film and and taking it outside Fourth of July. But I think you would take. I think you would be taking a lot away from from the film and a lot of these sort of extra layers and things that we're that we're picking out now. Sort of going going through it in this level of detail and with the finest of tooth combs is how significant it is that this is this is the Fourth of July. You know, the the celebration of of all it is to be to be free and to be American and and there is a sense of of freedom in this scene which has sort of like slightly sinister undertones when we know all that we know and that um the sort of children like all, all running into the sea into the sea is you know it should be it should be joyful but the sort of the thing that's playing in my mind is like very soon and it is with the the sort of the, the red herring fake out with the cardboard fin but those screams of joy that we're hearing in this scene very very quickly become screams of terror um mm -hmm. and it's uh very deliberate as well that in in that scene they're really exaggerated those screams i'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about those that bit because there is some maybe some of the best over the top extra acting in that uh in that scene with the sort of the screams of terror from from the people who are in the sea but there is and uh, deliberate that the that I mentioned this sort of um, bandstand music uh, becoming distorted and ominous, which it helpfully told me in the subtitles. There is another um, side of this scene that is the sort of the the distortion of something that should be a really happy and joyful and free moment, which is when the the crowds are they sort of get the green light to to go 
into the sea and actually <laughs> i have the 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 larry's uh horribly smug grin on my screen at the moment and right behind him is a red flag uh, not a red flag a green flag sorry <laughs> um uh on the sort of like beach hut thing right behind him and that is sort of like when the kids are like running past him as well to go into the into the sea so just a little extra thing which i spotted just now <laughs> um but that sen a sense of like distorting something which which is on paper uh happy and and joyful we get that in in the way the the music is used in this scene that the distortion of that sort of uh, band music and the the song that then plays out on the radio and how that is sort of then mixed in with the sounds of the helicopter and the and all the people on the beach as well um the you met you um compared it to a fishbowl which is actually uh very uh crucial but in the um the sort of pov shot from inside the helicopter in the sort of the window of the helicopter, mm -hmm. the side window, there's these sort of two parts of it that are like these small circles. And when you focus in on on those bits, what is in those circles um, gets sort of like weirdly distorted and it creates this just like strange uh, effect. It's it's You have to sort of like strain your eyes a bit to see, but um, there's sort of a circle just to, towards the bottom and then up up a bit and left as well. And what you're looking at through those circles, you do get that sort of like weird distorted fishbowl effect. Um, and the thing that that sort of got me thinking about was how the 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 tension and the threat uh, that there still is in this scene is sort of distorting what is on paper like a very happy scene or a, or a, a happy occasion of sort of celebrating fourth of july with the family um and how we're sort of seeing that um be be twisted slightly and and become something altogether more sinister we get that in the in the change in the music and also in in the visuals as well and particularly in that sort of shot through the um helicopter window i thought was super interesting yeah no that's really good i hadn't considered that um yeah, there's. It's weird because before we started recording, we we're like, I don't think there'll be much to talk about in this <laughs> scene, and then here we are, uh, <laughs> talking about the tyranny on display and uh, just like how, like how it how it hits weird in the pandemic, like uh, <laughs> so weird. Um, yeah, it's it, it, and it's weird too, like you know, in America in particular, we we're at a pretty steady vaccination rate that's climbing higher every day. You know, even the states that didn't take it as seriously, like Texas, they're looking at like an 80% vaccination rate by the end of June, which is crazy. Um, I mean, that's like, that's a lot, a lot of people in Texas. And because of that, like CDC is issuing these new guidelines and um, they're saying fully vaccinated people can hang out without masks in places like just like normal like normal like they're saying like normal is mm. is the thing like we 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 did the work we wore the masks for the most part um and we got people vaccinated and uh now we can start getting back to normal and that's good that's a good thing i think that's a that's a good thing and but now there's this weird anxiety of like should, should we still so for example me i i am fully vaccinated i can technically do those things but it's not that I'm nervous about it 
necessarily but it's just like this feels weird now like the the old thing feels weird now because i've worn a mask eight hours a day for a year mm. um you know and and i didn't have a, like the other day after the guidelines came out i went to the gas station and i didn't wear my mask inside because i had forgotten a clean one and like uh the only ones i had in my car are ones that i hadn't taken in to be washed yet and they they you know you just get they just get face stink on them i don't know how else to describe like it just they smelled really bad and i was like i'm gonna be in there for five minutes i'm getting my sparkling water that i take to work with me and that's all like i'm gonna do it and so i walked in and i felt like i was robbing the establishment <laughs> like i was just like ah, 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 when i got in my car like ah, did that happen like go 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 like drive 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 you gotta that felt illegal um but it, so it's this weird thing where like it, it, even getting back to the normal part at, for amity like after all the dust has settled on this maybe i'm jumping too far ahead but like i feel like that's gonna feel weird too especially when another shark shows up in a handful of years uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you i guess you can that's a that's an interesting way way of looking at it and sort of think like the what the the post jaws world would look like sort of obviously within within the context of the film if we're sort of imagining the the sequel for ourselves where it is just the people of amity just sort of like putting their lives back together and and trying to sort of go back to normal or whatever it is and what that might look like because that is sort of the situation we're in now where we're you know looking at restrictions lifting and having to get back to normal or whatever that looks like but there is still that sense of unease so you can bet like particularly on like an anniversary or something of the people of amity probably like the next fourth of july i imagine they would be out on the beaches and yeah. stuff but i i think there would be that sense of like being not quite as sort of you know let's let's be get back to normal everyone in the ocean like i think there would still be that sense of of caution and unease perhaps and and remembering of of what happened and it's it's hard to go from to come through something like that and then just to immediately snap back to normal and I've been not to sort of like keep going on about the pandemic, but it seems particularly relevant to this scene is there are some people who are just really a seem to be able to adapt to normal, like super quickly. They're like, yeah, I can't wait to like hug everyone and like go to the cinema and, and go in a shop without a mask and all this sort of thing. And in the UK, we're like at time of recording less than a month away from there apparently being no restrictions whatsoever yet we're also currently dealing with like a bunch of like new variants mm. and i'm just like going from something to absolutely nothing is like flat out terrifying to me particularly that i i highly doubt by the time restrictions lift in june that i will have been fully vaccinated and the way some people are just kind of able to just be like everything is great let's just go back to normal and the way things were and i'm in this weird like I don't know guys I still feel a bit uneasy about this this whole thing um so I can imagine that the people of Amity there would be there would be a lot of that I think I think there would be some people like the Tafts uh <laughs> I love picking on the Tafts um who would probably just be like 
straight away ready to like go back on the beach but then obviously you're gonna have your mrs kintner who is obviously directly impacted by what happened who is gonna be in a very very different uh place is gonna be a lot more sort of uh say anxious about going back to normal because obviously like she's dealt with a unimaginable tragedy i doubt she will have ever gone back to normal um after what happened but yeah see thinking about like how sort of post jaws the the characters would would act and what they would do differently or whether they would just have very very short memories and go back to normal i think is actually actually quite an interesting thing to think about yeah it's it's weird because like as someone who's fully vaccinated i want to uh be part of that push to go back to normal you know like i i i, I wore my mask and and i still do um to oh that's what i was gonna say okay so i you know I wore my mask and I wear my mask and and I'm fully vaccinated and the CDC says it's okay. And like, you know, I think the CDC, like we've kind of trusted them this whole time. So we have to trust them on this too. Like, I don't think we get to necessarily pick and choose. Um, like, like that. Uh, if, if we're going to like, if we trusted them on the mask thing, like now they're saying it's, I don't know, I, I, you know, obviously do what you're comfortable with. And if you're not feeling well for any reason, we should probably still mask up, but not not the point. Not not what I was trying to say at all. Um, <laughs> like part of it is setting an example, right? Like, um, mm. you know, I live in an area that isn't super pro mask or vaccine, so it you know I I, I do it mainly to be like, hey, dummies, <laughs> do this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think I think this is I think we're going to hit this point sooner rather than later um, with the pandemic is we're going to have to accept that there is a certain amount of people who have just dug in their heels so hard on not masking up and not getting vaccinated that will still die of COVID, even though it's easily preventable through a vaccine. And I think we're very uncomfortable thinking about that. I, I don't think people like thinking about that. Mm. And it's, but I, I think that, that at a certain point, there is going to have to be a line drawn where it's like, look, like these people have made their decision. And now we do like now, now we're back to, to normal, you know? And mm. um, I think, it, I think it sucks because I think maybe this is just my area and like the areas who are really like dug in on it it's for for me it's there's there's a handful of loved ones um mm. that we have to now kind of accept like yeah we could probably go see them but if we're carrying covid like you know they, they've made their choice and there's nothing we can do about it and that sucks mm. because it, you know it could potentially kill them <laughs> um <laughs> And like, we just like, we, that's the, we just have to accept that level of risk at some point, um, you know, and, and I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of people's anxiety is about if they're fully vaccinated, they can stop wearing a mask comes from, oh, you know, among other things, it's a very big, complex, nuanced issue. And we are in no way qualified to talk about it professionally as we are not scientists, <laughs> Um, but that's, that's the feeling I get is people like understand that if they stop wearing a mask, even if they're fully vaccinated, they could give it to someone who they potentially could be a loved one who decided to just ignore the pandemic entirely. And like, mm. for a lot of people, it was very frustrating dealing with those loved ones because you love them. 
you you know like you, you still love them they're still your your relative your friend your family member like whoever and you still love them and want to have a relationship with them but it's like come on like it's so easy to not have to deal with this mm. it's so easy to not have to deal with this um <laughs> and you're choosing like he, you're choosing the most complicated path for this possible and i don't know why mm. um and it could it could result in the end of your life by doing that and i i think people get you know weird about it like it feels like they're you know they're the ones killing those people you know um and they, no one wants to feel like that and uh to, so to bring it back to jaws uh uh, th that anxiety is, I think, going to permeate Amity from, like, henceforth. Uh, what, like, obviously, like, they don't know a sequel is going to happen. Um, right? Like, it's it, that's the, the same thing as, like, they don't hear the music, right? Uh, <laughs> they they don't know that another shark's going to come and exact revenge on the Brody family. Uh, and in just a, a, just a few years' time. Um, <laughs> and so it's just, like they do have to accept that risk at a certain point. Like, at a certain point, they can be like, well, there could be another shark in there, but it's 4th of July, and, you know, the other shark got taken care of. Mm. Yeah. It's one of the... Because you still haven't seen Jaws 2, right? Just correct, before I, correct, correct, I'm not correct. Gonna, okay, I'm not going gonna, gonna to spoil the whole thing, but actually, like, one of the things that I really like and appreciate about the film and it is good it's no it's no jaws uh that is uh i think very obvious but like a lot of people actually do really like it or or like particularly what it does with brody because the the film is really effective actually in dealing with with brody and how he is affected by what happened as well and obviously brody is like really in the thick of it in in this film in jaws and jaws 2 sort of um is he's basically got ptsd and the film is actually very effective in kind of showing that and showing how the events of the first film um have affected uh, have affected him um we see a, a, a little bit i guess about how it has sort of affected amity more broadly i mean larry is still there as well and he apparently has a very short memory uh because he is essentially like i can't i don't believe that this would happen again um is is his sort of attitude <laughs> um with it but yeah that's something that it that it does very effectively is i think that we see perhaps what a lot of people in amity would be would be thinking and would be feeling um we see that through through Brody in that film who is um basically having to like go through the worst possible thing which is like dealing with the same thing again <laughs> he's just been through it he has you know killed killed the sharks spoiler for the end of this film which you all know the end of anyway um and then he has to like go through it all again. I mean, that is pretty much like the worst thing that you could imagine. <laughs> Someone having to go through is 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 reliving the thing that is causing them so much like long lasting fear and anxiety and 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 trauma. Um, and just having to to deal with all of that again. But it's sort of the extreme of of what he goes through and and his sort of trauma that he is experiencing is is really a, a kind of like blown up 
version of of what a lot of people in Amity would be going through as well. It's just not super explicit in in the film. Um, hopefully that makes sense. But... Yeah, no, it does. Um, yeah, I yeah, I maybe <laughs> uh, our post pandemic <laughs> podcast is going to be about Jaws too. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I could minute by minute through Jaws too. Like it's fine, but I, it doesn't have the the depth and detail that um that this film has. <laughs> I mean, do you know that? Have you actually watched it minute by minute? Um, as you know, MJ, I now watch all films oh, minute true. by minute. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> also, that would be a bizarre ass way for me to just experience that movie for the first time. Yeah, I kind of want to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have no idea what's coming next, so you have to just, like, analyze that minute with no idea about, like, yeah. the context yeah. of the rest of the It's movie. like, I have no idea what's coming, but there's Brody again. Yeah. That's all I got. Like... Brody. <laughs> Brody and about, yep. yep. There's still a shark. That's going to pop up sometime soon, I think. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else? Um, just, I, I, we've not really spoken like loads about the sort of interaction between um mm -hmm. Brody and Michael. I mean, there's not a there's not a ton in there. I think it's it's a another nice example of sort of father son interaction. Um, and we've seen a lot of of Brody and Sean, but not as much of Brody and Michael. So it's it's nice that they they have like a sort of little moment as well. And it's it's very clear um, that Brody is is concerned about his son going in the sea. What's interesting, I think, is that he doesn't try to he doesn't try to stop him entirely. Um, I've not really given too much thought as as, as to why that might be. I think maybe he's got so many other things on his mind at that moment in time. I think he's rather than sort of dealing with that potential um, dispute, I guess, between him and his son, if he, if he is like flat out, no, you can't go in the ocean at all. I mean, he is there, he is in his swimming trunks, he's got the boat and his pals are all ready to go in. So I think he's sort of, uh, he's going for a compromise, which is a very Brody sort of, uh, sort of move. Yeah. And I I just really like that um, the sort of the play on words as well when um, Michael says that the the ponds for old ladies um, and Brady responds I know it's for the old ladies but just do it for the old man I just think that's a really nice it's just a really nice uh, line of dialogue and I appreciated it it's very um, yes I agree it's very like uh, <laughs> cellar door um, if if you know what I'm talking about like. Tolkien thought that those like Tolkien thought that like the the word cellar door were like just sounded really nice together. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's that's exactly how I feel about this. Like I know it's for the old ladies, but do it for the old man is just like you said. It's very nice. Like it's just it's it's like pleasing to hear. Um, in the way he like and the way he says it is really good. Like he says it very dad like. He's very he's he's good at dad acting. We haven't seen him do dad acting in a minute. Um mm. and it's just like he's real good at it. He's <laughs> it very much like it, I feel like everyone can relate to uh we don't have kids. So I relate to Michael in this scene because I was a child. And so I definitely relate to like 
hey, bud, we're going to pump the brakes on this, but you get to do this other thing instead. So you don't have to fully commit to not doing this. This isn't a no. This is just a do this somewhere else or differently. <laughs> um, and uh, I very much remember like, situations where that's happened to me as like as a child as a person like you know mo most of your life is compromising with other people um but particularly like your first experiences with that are with your parents and uh so in doing so uh it, it yeah it just rounds out brody even more and helps i think ground uh what's about to happen with like you know them in the pond like it obviously hits very close to home for brody and that's like the catalyst for like larry like like brody confront finally standing up to larry but also you know larry's change of heart too like brody goes and gets kind of in his face about it which he should um but it's the first time and then him and Larry find some common ground as parents in that situation. And I think that's like, this is really good setup for that happening later on. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to sort of think if there's, if there's much more to sort of like take away from, from their small little interaction. But I think, I think that about covers it. It's just, it's, it's great to see, Brody being dad again because yeah. um it's it's been a while since we've had that we've obviously have had him sort of um dealing with Larry who is like a child but uh, not a child um in, in in the way that he acts um but now sort of like the way he speaks to his to his children I think is very is very authentic and I think it's it's nice as well that he sort of like he's a good enough dad that he knows to sort of like take Michael away from, from his pals and have, and have that moment because you know, you've got all your sort of like friends around you. And like when you're a, you're a kid of that age, like you don't want your, like your, your uncle dad, like coming over and telling you like what you have to do. So he's like taking him aside and has been like, Hey, can you, can you, would you mind just like going in the pond? And then, you know, I don't have sort of like, you can't really tell like how far away he is like from the group of friends like not that far but he, he speaks to him quite quietly so michael could then potentially go back and rather than it being like oh my dad has told me like we have to go in the pond he can just be like hey guys i've got a really cool idea like let's go in the pond instead or something like and and make it like a, a you know it's it's his idea and it's a game or something for them to for them to play i think it's just a nice um and a nice a nice bit of bit of being dad from uh from Brody and very authentically acted as always as we would expect from from Roy Scheider yeah yep he's he's real good real good actor <laughs> um real good yep pretty good movie yep pretty good movie pretty good movie <laughs> uh and Spielberg pretty good director <laughs> pretty good <laughs> Sarah do you have anything to plug um yes I have another podcast uh which you can listen to if you don't like me talking about jaws kind of weird that you'd be listening to this podcast uh but anyway if you would prefer to hear me talking about disney um then i have a series that i'm doing for jumpcast at the moment going through the 59 walt disney animated classics um there is many many hours of content for you to catch up on uh we're on the home stretch of films now uh, looking at the uh, modern 
the modern age, the gold, second golden age, second renaissance, whatever you want to call it, the frozen Zootopia Moana era mm. um, is what we're doing currently. So a lot of fun. Um, you can find that um, by searching for Jumpcast wherever you find podcasts uh, and give that a listen as well as listening to all of our episodes as well. <laughs> is, uh, is Raya the 59th one? Yeah, so we we weren't sure like how our scheduling was going to work out and whether would we would be done uh, before that film came out or or whatever. But yeah, so that's going to be our I say final one. We're then going to do like a wrap up uh, episode, but we'll we'll cover Raya as well and then do a sort of um, looking back on the whole journey uh, podcast as well and reveal our final top ten lists, which are currently causing me so much stress yeah. uh, because. I don't like making decisions and ranking things. It's very hard. Um, so we'll see how I how I get on with that one. <laughs> Got it. Um, yes, I have another podcast called Real Perspective. That's R-E-E-L Perspective. It's me and my friend Mike and my friend Missy. And we're talking about movies, uh, current release movies, which means we'll actually have some stuff to talk about probably by the time uh, you're listening to this. We just released a Godzilla vs. Kong episode because this is coming out couple weeks from when we're recording it so it should be out there's no reason for it to not be out um and yeah uh you should listen to that um it's on everything much like this podcast is uh and speaking of this podcast you should uh and well should yeah you should you should support us did you know <laughs> did you know that you should be supporting us um but uh there are many ways to do that. Um, you can you can uh, give us a re review on your podcatcher of choice. iTunes really helps a lot. That's still sort of the end all be all of um, podcast charts. But Spotify is getting there. Spotify, um, Spotify and iTunes help us the most. Um, share the episodes with your friends if you think you would like them. Uh, point them their way because uh, we like having new listeners. Um, not just to get the numbers up, but because we love this film and we want to know all the people who love this film uh, obsessively the way we do. And um, yeah, uh, you can also buy merch uh, in our Redbubble and Tee Public store. The link for that is in our Twitter bio, which I don't think I said on the episode we recorded before this. Um, and you can also support our coffee donation. Um, it's literally just giving out of the kindness of your heart, a uh, minimum of $3. And once we hit a certain donor threshold, we will be holding a contest to win some merch. So a $3 buy-in could win you, you know, potentially $20 merch. Um, yeah, you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, Jaws for a Minute. I almost said my own Twitter handle. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Buttery, S-A-R-A-H. B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. Um, you can send us an email at jawsforaminute at gmail.com if you have any feedback or um, cool shark stories to tell or anything you want to tell us in, in, in an email, you can send it our way. Um, also, we uh, have been talking about uh, doing a charity event um, after we get settled in a our new uh living situations um as we both have changes in that coming up very soon uh by the time this goes out and after we do that we want to do some sort of charity event um that you guys can donate to and we can you know do some sort of challenge uh we've kicked around the idea of um 
streaming Maneater, which is a shark video game that's on, on the Xbox, and it's bizarre. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have access to that, and, and we could do a stream. You guys could hang out with us, and we can do donations that way. Or some sort of movie marathon situation, or... Uh, whatever, whatever you guys want to do, we want your input on this as well because you're going to be the ones donating. I mean, we will donate too, obviously, but um, the you know the the majority of of the the funds are going to come from you guys, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I we would like to see what you guys want to see us do for your investment, basically in uh, you know in this charity. What what you would like to to participate in with us maybe um or or see what we could uh come up with as the uh the lj fam community the lj fam fam uh <laughs> don't call yourselves that that's stupid i hate that uh i kind of like it i might start it do you really <laughs> i don't know i'm undecided <laughs> I said it out loud to other people and I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I said, it. this is the first time I've said it on an episode. And I was like, nah, it's stupid. Yeah. Like with most things that we decide to do, it's almost so stupid that it works. So I... <laughs> I buy that. Anyway, uh, hashtag LJ fam fam. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds stupid. Yeah, it's real dumb. Real dumb. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let us know. Don't use that hashtag. You can if you want to, but we, we will not police it. <laughs> um, uh, you can just tweet at us or DM us or send us an email with what you would like to see, uh, fundraising wise and challenge wise, uh, from your illustrious co-hosts. Um, but yeah, until next time, it is Jaws O'Clock Somewhere.